0: hello
1: everyone
0: Hello everyone. this is a j Bruno. welcome to an all new episode of the a j Bruno show. as you know, every so often we have a special episode where we bring you a a guest. Uh, we've had a lot of different types of people on in the past and tonight we have Ben Hansen, a former FBI agent, and the Host of Sci-Fi's Fact or Faked Paranormal Files. Uh, we have a lot to discuss with him tonight. I know some of you have questions you'd like to ask. You can either ask that in the show chat or call up, and we'll try to get you on the air. If uh, if we have time, we have a lot of topics to discuss. Though I think we have Ben here on the line, so let's let's put him on. Hello, Ben. Thanks for joining us.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thanks for having me. Great. It's uh, great to have you on the show. Um, I guess let's start with uh, if you could talk a bit about uh, your history, how you went from being an FBI agent uh, to getting into investigating paranormal activity.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, well, I really didn't uh, – it wasn't sort of a choice of, uh, <laughs> you know, choose this and then uh, move to the other. I, I was into the paranormal um ever since I was a kid, but it was it was more so uh the u f o stuff when I was about like eight years old or so and then um when I got into college we uh the t v shows hadn't come around yet it was it was more people playing e v p s and stuff you know on the radio and and I thought that was an interesting phenomena, but I'm very skeptical, and I thought well, people could easily just you know mix these things together and Say they're capturing voices on uh, recording. So um, I decided to try it. Uh, went out with some friends and my sisters, and captured our, our first EVP that was undeniable. So um, that kind of got me hooked into the ghost hunting, and I actually did that um, just kind of informally, you know, for for several years through college, and uh, being in law enforcement was always my goal. Uh, when I got there. Um, you know, it was it was kind of uh, in in a lot of ways what I expected, in a lot of ways not. Um, and I've always felt like I wanted to have my feet kind of in both worlds. And so, at the time that the TV show opportunity came along, um, I was able to leave the door open to go back. And um, you know, definitely announce if that happens, because uh, I, I you know love the, um, the the feelings that you get and. Doing something intrinsically satisfying, you know, like I was primarily investigating child sex crimes, and uh, you know so although it's kind of a heavy subject to go back and do <laughs> yeah. that is quite of a it's a different world than than being in t v um, there's a lot of similarities a lot of differences and I was lucky enough though to be able to make a transition to to be able to work uh, full time and get paid in doing something paranormal because if you don't um, if you're not like actively writing books, and even those who write books, I don't really know they, you know, are able to support themselves very well, um, you know, or or being on TV, then then it's not like Ghostbusters, you know, people don't pay you to show up to their house. At least I don't know anyone that does <laughs> uh, to do this sort of thing. So um, I was I was lucky to be able to do two things that I loved.
0: Yeah. And uh, how was the how was the cast assembled? Did all of you work together beforehand, or?
1: Um at least half of us, yeah, most of us i I knew uh austin Larry um Bill, I knew him for about a year or so before the show started uh, they brought Jael over from destination truth um to try and help you know bolster the uh the viewership with someone that was already known on their network mm. and then we met um Chelon in her photography skills, and she'd already been doing it some hosting um, on other networks, but the, uh, it, it came together just, you know, originally I had, uh, Oh God, the, the, the team of six, they were all my, my personal friends. And I, I, I say this lightly because I don't want to, <laughs> don't want to be misunderstood. Um, all good looking, very attractive people. That wasn't a problem. Um, yeah. and, and not that that's a requirement for TV, but you know, the networks will tell you that it helps. Uh, the uh the problem was that some of them were just didn't have like a a TV presence as far as expressing their opinions um you know like with with a kind of a, a more i guess colorful personality i could say and and if you watch i'm not very colorful but but it uh i we since none of us had done anything in TV before kind of sad because we had to take the suggestions of the network, and it's like, okay, well, maybe this guy's not cut out for TV. And so I did lose a couple, um, but it, it was a lot of fun to see it come together and see uh, how TV is is done. Because you know we'd never been in it.
0: Yeah, and I guess the network responsible for some of the there's some moments in the show which feel really forced and fake. Like for instance, I remember one time you were all like exchanging Christmas gifts, and it seemed rather cheesy. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah they they do they do uh suggest things knowing that it was going to air before christmas we should you know bring some hats and and things to wear and it's like uh you know that's hollywood for you You gotta remember that the primary purpose of any show on tv including news um unfortunately um is to entertain and um one of my things when now i'm getting into tv production uh, we are seeing a, a return kind of back to as, as much as you can make it more kind of docu-entertainment. So, you know, you're kind of kind of letting things just happen as they do um, when, when you go out and you interview people. And it, there's so many things. I could talk for hours and hours about this, but there's so many things that, that I didn't know about TV and about budgets. You know like um, for example, we would love to do more international cases, but we were limited to how many we could bring to the table because we just can't afford to, you know go around the world, <laughs> you know, like every episode so yeah. um it's, it's just the way the world of uh, Hollywood works
0: yeah actually, on that note when you're when you're deciding on a cases now is it actually ticked when you're all talking like a group, or has it been determined beforehand by you and other people?
1: Well, we, we have a very good idea of what we're going to do, um, because first of all, we have to, when we get the cases, um, the the options of, of what we're going to do, for example, when it started out, it was just Bill and I, um, pretty much, like going on to YouTube and finding videos and then presenting them to the team and also to the producers. When the second, third season came along, we were actually having more people submit to us, but... Even when you have people submitting and you're looking at the cases coming in um you there there's a lot of logistical stuff, for example uh does this person seem like they'll they're willing to appear on t v um or are they asking for a ton of money? Can we afford it um
0: <laughs> Then we also
1: had to look at have we done similar things like this already? Have we always already used a um uh a show where we have an experiment, you know, with lasers on, on glass, you know, and even though that might be the perfect experiment for it, um, we may not choose that case because, um, it, it just doesn't make good TV to, to repeat things like that. And, yeah. and there are some things that the network gives us notes on, you know, like, um, they're, they're seeing, they, they, they analyze these trends and stuff all the time. Maybe people are responding better to UFO cases. You know, so we try to look for more of those. Um, and and by the time we get and we sit down in the situation room, um, wh- if Austin had found a case or something like that, sometimes earlier in the week, he would have already sent it to me, and uh, we would have had time to look at like mm-hmm. some notes. Um, you know, on on uh, what we can. Uh, you know, uh, different backgrounds of stuff of that phenomenon. We could already look at it. And other times, um, it's just right there, brand new to us. And so <laughs> you kind of get our reactions, like, what? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's a little bit of both.
0: Yeah. Now, was there, like, one or two cases you remember that shocked or
1: fully convinced you beyond measure? Um, yeah, I mean, the the one particular that really kind of has me hung up is this this case that came to me through um it was a friend who in in the ufo circles had been emailing me and she was in the uk and she had a a lady come to her um because this this friend um claims to be an abductee had some very traumatic experiences and she was online looking for someone that could help her and she found this uh, mutual friend and explain to her what had been going on. And so she sends me this video and and this is the video that ends up being the one where the lady is um, in her bed and it appears as if she has disappeared, like the sheets, you know, sink. Um, And she dissolves into the mattress and she's gone for like 13 minutes, you know, and then she reappears and sort of forms back under the sheets and, you know your first inclination is like okay CGI i mean nobody disappears in their bed mm-hmm. um but when we got there even before we had this tested by JPL and analyzed um i really got a sense of the the woman and her spouse being very truthful this and and you know i've interviewed a lot of people who've experienced um you know sexual abuse and things like that and this was very traumatic for her she responded in a way like even if this was not an alien abduction she acted as if she had been um i guess you know uh interacted or abused in such a way and so whatever it was i felt like hey she's she's telling me the the truth of what she experienced now what is this and I'm, I'm still baffled because we showed how, how somebody could have built something, you know, inside the mattress, like a hydraulic lift. We showed how, uh, yeah, maybe if someone rolled out of bed, but that wasn't so convincing. But at the end of the day, um, I, I really don't know what happened there. And and the great thing about it is that she will not tell you she knows what it is either. And I, I kind of am wary of those people who have a, an answer 100%. You know, she doesn't know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I remember that particular case actually, and um, the only thing I think it could have been was a trapdoor in the bed. And you know, if she wasn't faking it, then and that
1: was it. Um, well, exactly. I mean, it, it, if it were faked, it would have had it would have been difficult. Um, in that, I don't think that she would have been in on it at all. I think it would have had to have been her husband, but it would have been immensely cruel. Because I feel like she truly and sincerely believes that this happened to her. And and her husband seems like a very nice guy. I don't know why you yeah. would do that to your wife, to drive her crazy and make her think that, you know, she disappeared. But um, it was either that, and if it was, it, it probably would have had to been CGI, and you would have had to take that tape, put it back on the DVR, um, have her discover it. Very, very complicated. And for what? No. You know, th- these people weren't looking to be on T V or anything and uh it's just very odd.
0: Yeah.
1: And I actually had my own extraterrestrial
0: experience. Um, you know, I don't know for sure if it was, but there were other people who saw that. I was a lot younger and I looked outside my backyard window and there were these bright blue lights flashing in a circular formation I still remember it to this day. It was really it was really eerie. I don't know if you've
1: ever seen anything like that, but it was Wow, not not anything yeah. like in flashing lights like that. I, I've had three spectacular—I uh, guess we classify them as UFO sightings—and and again, I don't know who was flying the craft, but um, yeah, I've seen things that have left me wondering for days. Yeah,
0: um, what uh, the government is, is covering up? Like, what do they know? Um, you know, to what extent do you think they've been involved in all this?
1: Well, it's it's really hard to say. I mean um, we do know we do know one thing. We know for example in the Roswell case, um, we know there were cover ups. They admit there were cover ups. They'll they'll say that it was a cover up because of a of another, you know, top secret program, whether it was, you know, radiation testing and special weather balloons. But the story kept changing. So it was a cover-up upon a cover-up upon a cover-up. it has been at least three or four different official versions. So whether that was (laughs) the the, the real reason was because, you know, decades later we're still trying to hide the fact that we were trying to uh, test for nuclear radiation in the air from our enemies. I I, I doubt um, since practically everything else has been declassified, but but why why not release all the UFO files that other countries supposedly have released? Um, I don't know. I yeah. really don't know. And if there are just you know hypothetically, if there are secret keepers, if you really get into this, my opinion would be and I'm not saying there are, but my opinion would be that um, the, the it's probably not as organized as it used to be. I don't know if there's one central group. I think that most of the military, probably practically all of our elected officials, don't know what's going on. You can see that with with Bill Clinton and his interviews and and what his frustration has been. He feels like he's probably been lied to. Um, you know, other presidents as well. So, the, it's very fragmented. There there are probably people, if there is a an, an ultimate cover up, that are withholding it. And why? Why would they be doing it? Well, uh, you know, one of the main theories is that, again, they're still holding on to this, this idea that came from some surveys done in the 50s. You know, with um, the uh, CIA-Robertson panel did one, the Brookings um, the Institute, and, and they, the result was, look, the people can't handle this because it would cause chaos and the knowledge would disintegrate religions, uh, governments, and we're not ready for it. And and now when they've, they've re-updated those surveys, you know, it would seem that we're far more capable of handling such bombshells, you know. And so I, I think that if there is information being withheld, it's going to come out regardless. You know, we're, we're seeing increased sightings, um, uh, you know, and, and come from people videotaping it and, and you know, oh, look, we've got the perfect video because you can fake those. But but something big or some information, you know, being released might get the ball rolling. And, and finally, if there are these secret keepers, finally make it um, okay for them to come forward. And it may not all come at once. It might be just admitting that Roswell was something other than this weather balloon. And or maybe that they've had communication of some sort, and it might just slowly start coming out so that people's reactions, they can get used to it. Um, there's a, a great book uh, written by my friend Bryce Fable called uh, AD After Disclosure, and they just hypothesize about all of that. You know, like, how would it happen? Why are they withholding? And, and it's great, because that's all we can do right now is speculate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I know there's been a lot of books like that. Like, I don't know if you've read uh, The Day After Roswell by Colonel Phil Corso. Um, You know, what he experienced there, I I think is, I mean, pretty much, unless you think this decorated military officer is making stuff up and his son is continuing to lie, I mean, I feel like that's just been totally ignored um, by the mainstream media and it deserves a lot more attention.
1: It does. I'd love to see a major uh, motion picture, you know, done off of it. And the only problematic area with with phil corso and, and i believe my grandfather actually knew him um when there were programs on like unsolved mysteries and things he before my grandfather died he uh according to my dad would say oh look it's old phil you know because he used to work in <laughs> some of the same places he did but um his story apparently when he wrote that with bill burns um People pointed out some inconsistencies and some things. And, and before Corso died, he said, "Well, I didn't get a chance to proofread all of it because Bill put a lot of this in there, and I didn't have time to correct some of the things." So, but as to what portions were exaggerated, um, we don't really know. But if the general story is true, where he's in charge of the Pentagon of, you know, kind of outsourcing. Uh, recovered material and slipping into the private sector you know that's that's amazing and and a lot of it makes sense you know because this the jump in technology that we saw you know in those early decades
0: yeah definitely I mean a lot of people think that you know computers and and all the modern circuitry really came from some of these crashed vehicles that were recovered. So I'm wondering if that's true or not, and I'd like to find out. So,
1: Yeah, it would be great. Um, I can tell you, though, some of the things that I've seen are so far beyond uh, conventional craft um, currently and the things that I've, I've witnessed in the sky that it would be very difficult to convince me that it's purely military. Um, I guess it could be, but you can imagine how many people would have to be involved in the testing of something like that. And, and that these things, if they are ours, and we've had them for decades and decades, um, you know, we can't even keep uh, the SR-71, the U-2, the, uh, you know, stealth bomber. We couldn't keep those things secret because they're crashing all the time. And, and, and you know, that's how... Yeah people were seeing the stealth bomber and then one of them crashed and they like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, we, we do have this or the Raptor, you know, that crashed out of Edwards and, and maybe, maybe these things are so far beyond that in technology that, you know, they just don't crash, but I, I don't, I don't know that I believe that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, What, um, I mean, how much truth do you think there is to the existence of, creatures like the Bigfoot and Yeti, do you think they're real? Why has there not been you know, like an actual
1: specimen produced? Um, what are they exactly? That is a really good question because I've, that's one thing, a phenomenon that I've not had a personal experience with per se. I've been on investigations where I've been woken in the night by something screaming and it didn't quite sound human uh, but I've never seen one, I've never had them come and take my food or walk around my tent. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't think there's something to it. In fact, I've, I've talked to several people that are very credible to me, and their descriptions seem like there's there's no real other option unless you've got two very, very, you know, like, well, like realistic people walking around in uh, realistic suits. I mean, you know, like one of the cases was the guy... Um, was in a camper trailer with his friend, and at 3 a.m. they woke up and they had, on both sides, both windows, their, their camper was being shaken side to side, and I looked through the windows and there's these faces of, uh, you know, Bigfoot, two of them, or um, others who have been through the forest and, and the thing, you know, scampers across the road and looks at them straight in the eye, you know, while standing on a rock and then ducks away and I, I haven't seen a, a Bigfoot costume yet that that has me convinced that I'm not just seeing a person run around. Yeah. So, you know, when people tell me these stories, and then you have uh, the the physical evidence of tracks, we've got we do have, despite what people believe, there there are um, trace evidences of samples of hair and scat. The problem is when they have them analyzed, it doesn't come back and say Bigfoot you know, or or even primate. Um, Sometimes it just comes back as unknown, um, you know, creature. And so that just means that they, with what they compared it against, they didn't have a known sample. And the research that's been done with the DNA um, has not been confirmed by independent parties. It's been premature in, in what they've announced with it. So I don't know if what we're looking at is actually an undiscovered creature. As crazy as it sounds, I'm open to the idea still that there might be something interdimensional, but there there I think is something to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just hard
0: to imagine really that there could be a large enough population of these creatures that there wouldn't be some sort of, you know, indisputable proof at this point. I mean
1: Mhm. Well yeah. oh, I think someone would have shot one. Yeah, you know, by now, yeah. I guess someone could could make the same argument and say, "Well, what about UFOs? Someone would have shot one down." Well, that may no. be exactly what happened in Roswell. That may be what we did is we were capable of shooting it down and other mm-hmm. crashes. Um yeah. But the government's very adept at coming and swooping things up, whether it's ours or something else. And when it comes to the Bigfoot stuff. I don't know if the government would be out looking for it. Um, people have the theory that, well, they they bury their own. Well, mm-hmm. you still have scavengers and dogs and wolves and the things that would come and dig stuff like that up. And we just haven't seen... Um, I, I guess the body, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it, I know, I, I understand it, I get it, and people can turn that around and say the same thing about the alien subject, but, but we do have witnesses. We've got some very credible witnesses who witnessed the bodies and, and saw them at Wright-Patterson and saw even live ones. And these are World War II heroes that would not lie to their kids. Why would they do that mm-hmm. when they're, you know, ready to die? Um, but as of yet, I've not seen or interviewed a really credible witness of somebody finding a Bigfoot body. No. Um, live, yes, but so what does that mean? Well, to me, that might mean that you're looking at something that sometimes is there and sometimes it's not. I know, mm-hmm. how convenient. But, <laughs> but I'm as open to that as, as you telling me that there's a animal that's tens of thousands of years old or the same thing with, um, you know, Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. A plesiosaur dinosaur, millions of years old, living in a landlocked lake. You know, it's it's as best as an explanation, as, as good as is as telling me that, uh, you know, it's interdimensional. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so when you say interdimensional, um, I mean, what exactly do you mean like that? If you can elaborate a little
1: bit. Well... You know, when you you do the paranormal, the ghost hunting and stuff like that, uh, it sounds twilight zone-ish, but we're really talking about another dimension. You're talking about occupying the same physical space. They can't always see us. We can't always see them. And sometimes maybe the conditions, we don't know how it works, but the conditions might be just right and they slip in and out, whether that's visible light, we're able to see them or electromagnetic energy converted into to audio that we're able to, to hear on recorders. They kind of slip in and out of dimensions. So I think if that's possible with people who have died, and, and, and I believe that that's what we're looking at in kind of ghost hunting, if they can come in and out, then why cannot animals? Maybe animals that would have lived here, you know, or something like that. And sometimes maybe they're able to manipulate physical, our physical world. I've seen, you know, ghost hunting. I've had objects thrown across the room. We've had cameras destroyed. I've seen footprints, um, uh, you know, pushed down in leaves right in front of my face. So if that's possible, then why not a similar thing with animals, you know, to where footprints are left when they threw into our world or, um, you know, I I don't know if they actually eat. I don't know (laughs) if they're you know, uh, running around defecating and stuff like they say the Bigfoot, whatever it is, it could be possible that they're they're only here briefly and then, you know, it, when uh, they, they can disappear. I don't know if they come, come and go at will or if it's accidental. Yeah. Yeah, I used to um,
0: have a Ouija board, and I opened it once or twice, but the thing, honestly, was so creepy. I don't know if it worked or it didn't work, but I really didn't want to find out, <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, yeah, to it, me, yeah, it seems
1: like that. You know, you never know what you're opening. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe I,
0: the idea of being dead and then trapped in this other dimension for all eternity—I don't think that sounds very comforting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, are there any upcoming uh, projects you have? that you want
1: to tell us about? The summer started out pretty slow for me. I thought I was going to have time to work on some new TV shows and things, but uh, it started to pick up quite a bit. We just finished up in Roswell a UFO Festival and I'm heading to uh, the MUFON Mutual UFO Network um, con- or conference in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is taking place this weekend. And then I believe um, the next thing will be locally here in California with Dana Workman from uh, Haunted Highway. i will be doing a, a ghost investigation in L.A. Um, sometime in mid-August. And, you know, going to a couple Comic-Cons as well. And, and I, I think we're going to do the thing I'm, I'm kind of most excited about is the... Um, Travis Walton, the story that, you know, Fire in the Sky, the movie was based on. Yeah. He's trying to put together a conference in um, Snowflake, Arizona, the first ever conference where we'll be taking people to the actual site and doing skywatches. We'll be um, doing a tour of kind of where everything took place and, and, and people will have a first-hand experience. It's a creepy, creepy place. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. I, remember I, saw I that have movie not I camped out there yet. Oh yeah. yeah, I have not been there in the in the uh, overnight yet. I, and just in the dark, when I've gone there alone, you just feel like there's something watching you everywhere. And, and it's probably just the creepiness of the forest. I think whatever was there is long gone. But it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Now I
0: know Factor Fakes on like a seemingly permanent hiatus. Is there any chance it's going to come back or?
1: You know, I, I I don't like to say never, but uh, Sci-Fi is still kind of experimenting to see what kind of a network they're going to be. I know they really wanted to have it in some form. Um, they were kind of thinking of spin-offs. We're still thinking of spin-offs. Um, my next projects. I filmed a, a Smithsonian show. I'm on a couple episodes of the UFO doc uh, that'll be out probably this fall on Smithsonian channel, but, um, then we've got some other things I can't quite talk about yet, but it's, it's similar, it's on a different network, um, and there might be some kind of experimentation and stuff like that, but what you're not going to see much of anymore are these kind of team-based shows, you know, where they're out ghost hunting and, um, you know, Ghost Hunters is, when it's kind of on its way out and done, that's probably the last of that type of show they'll pick up. Same thing with Ghost Adventures. Yeah. You know, no one's really doing that anymore. And it, it's a it's a good thing to have a change. Um, a lot of people are really sad about it, but it's not just sci-fi. It's, it's all the network. It, it's just going to be a, a different type of programming um, that, that'll be good, though, because the the topic is still hot paranormal topics very hot it's just expense of the show or no no not really i think it's just because it's been saturated um we had too many shows trying to do it and um you know eventually ratings you know that being spread out so much start to decline a little bit and and i think they underestimate the audience to be honest Mm. i think that uh there's there's an amount of kind of fun and you know silliness when you turn the lights off, but but there's also the, the, what they're kind of afraid of is losing the younger audience that has you know ADHD, and they're like you got to have something happening all, all the time, and yeah. and I think that uh, now you're going to see a little bit smarter TV, still very very compelling, but you can have interviews with experts and not go to sleep, you know, because we've got great reenactments. We've got um, great things that we're un- uncovering, and you still get that suspense. You still get all of that. Um, but it's just being done differently. Yeah,
0: I, um, I don't know if you know him, but uh, I'd love to see you and Bill Burns team up for a show. I think that'd be great.
1: You know, I've talked to him. talk talked to him about doing a, a project um, that would be more of a feature-length film. You know, so it's it's not my my area of expertise. The film getting that, you know, uh, funded is a whole <laughs> lot different than a TV show. But yeah, yeah, yeah I think it, it would be cool to to do something like that.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, uh, look, it's been uh, it's been great. Uh, thanks so much for coming on.
1: You're welcome. Thanks
0: for having me. All right. Thanks. Have a good one.
1: All right. Talk later. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: All right, that was Ben Hanson. I'm sorry we didn't have enough time for for your calls, but we got through a lot of material in the time we had left. And so I hope you all enjoyed the show. And join us next time on the next episode of the A.J. Bruno Show where we might go back to the normal political discussion or we might stick with another out-of-this-world topic. Only one way to find out. Thanks. Signing out.